0: we talk about the glory of Christmas, we're not talking about lights and trees and presents. Talking about the Lion of Judah. Talking about the everlasting Son of God. Talking about the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life.
1: Well, it was an unforgettable night for the shepherds when the angel of the Lord spoke to them. Scripture says the glory of the Lord appeared, enough to make them very afraid. So what exactly was the glory of the Lord, and where else might that have appeared in Scripture? Let's take a look. Welcome to Living a Legacy with Bible teacher and author Dr. Crawford Loretz. Crawford has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years, serving as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. His books include Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, co-authored by Karen Loretz the book, Leadership as an Identity, and Unshaken. The messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's 15 years of service as Senior Pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. Now retired from church work, Crawford heads the Christian Leadership Mentoring Program called Beyond Our Generation. And we're glad Crawford has joined us briefly here before the message. Crawford, Merry Christmas. Oh, well, Merry Christmas to you too, Bill. <laughs> At this point in your ministry life, you've preached many Christmas messages over mm-hmm. the years. What mm-hmm. still moves you about the story of Christ's first coming? Yeah, it's just the glories of our great King, right? It's it's hmm. The whole
2: incarnation just grabs me. And uh, it's that God would love us so much hmm. that he would send his son, the Savior and King, in the form of a baby, you know, so much of the Christmas story surrounds that word "rejoice." Oh, just incredible joy! And I think the gratitude increases as you look at how good God has been, and and you savor the person of Jesus. When mm. the more you walk with Jesus, the more you are struck with profound delight and joy and appreciation for who he is and what he's done and yes. Christmas is is the is
1: the beginning of it all. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much Crawford. We'll check back again at the close of our program. Good. We're in a series called The Glory of Christmas, and today's study takes us again to Mark chapter 9. Crawford continues to look at three incredible events in the life of Jesus, which underscored three aspects of his glory. Those events were the transfiguration, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and the healing of the paralyzed man. So again, let's head to Mark chapter 9. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy.
0: He is all that you need. He's all that you need. You don't need Jesus plus anything. All you need is Jesus. He is the source of everything. Hmm. Well, what does glory mean? It means magnificence. Magnificence. Unbelievable beauty. Secondly, glory means preeminence. Preeminence. By preeminence, what I mean is that it's, it's, it, preeminence means uh, um, his presence and his power. But watch this, watch this. When we talk about his preeminence, we can't, we can't, we, there's, no, there's no, there's no one-to-one relationship in this life. There's nothing, there's no illustration that I can come up with that grabs it. When we talk about his preeminence, whenever he shows up in his mighty power, everything else shuts up. So when we we talk about the preeminence of Jesus, what we're talking about is the acknowledgement of his lordship over everything. We're talking about his presence, and we're talking about his absolute power. And that's what the story in John 11 is all about, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. That's what that story is all about. It is, it, is, it is the manifestation of that side of his glory that underscores his preeminence. Now, I don't have time to go through the whole story there. I want to extract three, three declarations from the mouth of Jesus to underscore the principle that I want, to, I want to get across from you. But let me just summarize the story here. Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick and Jesus was ministering. And they asked Jesus if he would come because Lazarus was sick. And Jesus said, uh, put them off. Put them off. And uh, by the way, don't get upset when Jesus doesn't answer your prayer when you ask him to. Because when he shows up, it's always the right time. So he, he, he put them off. He didn't show up. And he said earlier, this sickness is for the glory of God. They didn't get it then, but they're going to get it later. They didn't get it then. So later on, as he delays, by the time he does show up... Lazarus has been dead for four days. Martha comes to Jesus and um, he's, you know, they're they're in Bethany right outside of Jerusalem. And she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus said, well, you know, God will raise him. Well, she thought he was talking about on the last day. And she said, well, I know on that day he will be raised. And here's the first declaration. No, you don't get it, honey. I he didn't say that, that's my insight, but. And sweetheart, you, you don't have a clue. I ain't talking about the last day. Look at me, Monica. I am. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, I can do this thing right now. You, you don't know who you're talking to. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Some of you are sitting here, and you are so disappointed with God. You've got, you've got a Lazarus in your life. You've got death all over you. You've got dead situations. Your finances are dead. Your family is dead. Your life, your spiritual life is dead. There's death, death, death. I'm here to tell you today that there's no such thing as a death that Jesus cannot resurrect. And Jesus said to her, no, you don't get it. I am. The resurrection and the life and then down in verse 40 he makes a second declaration he said didn't i tell you that this has all happened for the glory of god the reason why you're in this situation is because god wanted to demonstrate to you his power And the reason why you're out of a job and the reason why things are not happening in your life is not maybe necessarily because you've sinned. It could be because God wants to wait at the opportune moment so that you'll never, ever, ever forget his power to deliver in your darkest moments. The glory of God. That's the reason why we have got to stop with this horizontal relational theology and think more Godward. If we think about God only as he relates to me this way, we'll have a very small view of God and we'll end up reducing God to the level of our demands and we'll have a lifeless faith. This is for the glory of God. And then thirdly, the third declaration, I am the resurrection and the life. This is for the glory of God. The third declaration is found, I believe, in verse 43. And you have to understand this. You must read the Bible in its emotional context. I would suggest to you, Jesus did not whisper these words no more than he whispered the words when the storm was on the Sea of Galilee and he was in the stern and stands up. He did not just say, peace, be still. He is the creator of the universe, the one who created the wind, the one who created the world. And he shouted at his elements, sit down and be quiet. And Jesus stands. He says, roll the stone away. And I don't think he whispers. As the great God of the universe, demonstrating the glory of God, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Church, do we have any idea who Jesus is? Do do you know who he is? If we knew who Jesus was, We'd be doing so many supernatural things. If we had any idea who he was, we would be believing him for great things. If we knew who he was, we would not be mired in depression and discouragement and our heads down and our tails dragging the ground if we had an idea of who he was and is. So when you talk about glory, When you say glory to God, you're saying his beauty has shown up. When you say glory to God, you're saying his preeminence, his presence and power. It's right here. And thirdly, when we say glory to God, number three, we're talking about his excellence. Meaning little in the literal sense of the word. I don't mean comparative excellence like we have down here, but I mean in a literal sense, his utter perfection, his utter holiness. And for that, I want you to turn with me, number three, to Luke chapter five. His his magnificence has to do, is revealed in the Mount of Transfiguration. His preeminence in the raising of Lazarus. But number three, his excellence is the healing of the paralyzed man. I want you to look at this text in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. I got to tell you, I have preached this passage before and this story before, and I I, I need to tell you that I think I missed the big idea of this story. We tend to preach this story, this is a story, and I'll summarize it, of these friends that had a buddy who was paralyzed, okay? Okay. And Jesus is on a roll here, and all these folks are following him. And so he's in this house, and you got these religious leaders who are there, too, who are acting like spies, as we'll see in a second. And the house is full. And Jesus is in the house, and their buddy that they love is paralyzed. And the only thing separating, from, uh, uh, separating their buddy from the person that can meet their need is a roof. And usually when I preach this text, I say that anything that separates uh, us from our, uh, our true need in Jesus, we tear it up. And that's exactly what they did. They tore up the roof. And they lower their friend down. But see, we, we sort of talk about the text as if this is the story, really, of their passionate friends and this man needing to be healed. That's not the point that Jesus is making in this story. It's not the point of the story. Look closely at the miracle. The point of the story, the emphasis in the story is not the man's healing, but in Jesus' holiness. Here in this text, and this is the reason why it caused so much controversy, as is the case of a lot of his miracles, the problem that Jesus caused here uh, was that uh, he acted in a way as if he was God. Now, that was a problem. He he acted as if he could make the final decision, and that was a problem. Because Jesus trumped the authority of the religious leaders. They lowered the dude down. They lower him down, can you imagine that? Dust and dirt falling on everybody, and I happen to believe probably a big piece of uh, sod, let's just say, uh, fell on the head of one of the Pharisees. I love it, and uh, they lower the dude down. What does Jesus do? The very first thing that he says, they came for healing, what does Jesus do? He speaks to the greatest need, verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he didn't heal the man. What does he do? He said, man, Your sins are forgiven. you. The greatest need. Now listen, check this out, check this out. You're saying, well, what's so big about that? Listen to me, listen to me. You and I, we can forgive people who sin against us, but only God can forgive your sinful condition. I can forgive you if you lie to me. I can forgive you if you steal from me. I can forgive you if you take something from me. But I cannot forgive your sinful condition. It takes the God of the universe to forgive sin. And so that that was absolutely, that was the point. And this is the reason why they got so upset with him. Listen to what they said. They go, oh my goodness. And the scribes and the Pharisees began questioning, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I can imagine Jesus saying, And? I mean, that's the point. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? So here we have the greatest need. <laughs> Number two, the greatest person. What do you question in your hearts? And which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? <laughs> Actually, he pinned them to the wall here. Because it takes God to do both of them. You're not going to apologize? You're not going to try to explain what you just said? He said, no, which is easier? What would you like for me to do? Heal him? He said, well, only God can do that. Forgive his sins? Oh, wow. Only God can do that? Listen to the passage remarkable while they're contemplating the answer to that you got to feel the drama of all of this you sense this you you're 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 in that house okay you got you got like dirt clumps and everything all around you and you know homeboy scribe got a piece of grass coming over his eye and dirt down his tunic and stuff and and jesus is you know forgave the man of the sin you talk about drama jack i mean this is worth everything here we're watching this thing all right? And so Jesus said, which is easier to say? Your sins be forgiven or be healed? Which is easier to say? And while they're, compli- uh, while, while they're kind of, you know, commiserating about that and caucusing, what does Jesus do? God, funny. it's amazing. It is amazing. You know, the Bible is incredible. If you don't love this book, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this, is, this is marvelous. Listen to what he says. <laughs> they're, they're contemplating this and jesus turns to do while they're trying to figure this out he says by the way i say to you pick up your bed and go home he doesn't both i ask you again do you have any idea who he is do you know who he is do you know who he is he is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world And I want you to notice where the miracle takes place. The miracle did not stand on its own. And watch folks who boast about their spiritual gifts of healing or their spiritual gifts of words of prophecy and all of that stuff. Watch them. Watch how they speak. Watch how they speak. And watch the direction of the attention. If the direction of the attention is toward their gifts and their insights and their abilities, you run away from them so fast that your shirt tail doesn't touch your backside. The miracle here took place to affirm his deity, that he was and is the everlasting God. Thus, the greatest response, the greatest need was his sin, the greatest person is Jesus and the greatest response was to glorify God. The man glorified God, and the people glorified God. I, I know that um, we, we live in a world where it's important to know how we are put together as people and our personalities. We live in a society that is full of resources that we really need to use. We live in a world where education is terribly important. And trust me, I'm a great believer in education. Um, But I fear sometimes that we trust more in the stuff that we can measure and analyze and accrue and get for ourselves and we only go to Jesus when we're in a jam, rather than building our hearts and our lives on this magnificent savior, on this preeminent king, on the author of cleansing. And I wanna plead with all of us, and I know it is just, it's a matter of of, of place. I wanna plead with us Let's be Jesus people, where Jesus is the core, where we do not apologize for his beauty and his power. Let's not be people of excuses, who keep excusing our lack of growth and our lack of development by all kinds of nice little euphemisms about where we are and my background and you don't know where I came from and you don't know the things that contributed to me. If he can be transfigured on a mountain, if he can say, Lazarus, come forth, if he can cleanse this man and tell him, get up and walk, I think he can change us. Don't you think he can change us? You see, the point of the glory of God is not just exalting him, but having that glory shine through us. When we talk about the glory of Christmas, we're not talking about lights and trees and presents. Talking about the Lion of Judah. Talking about the everlasting Son of God. Talking about the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. Father, we thank you for the glory of Jesus, the glory of his life. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for giving us a savior. When we look at our failures and our inadequacies, we all want to throw in a towel. But we can hear him say, Crawford, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Thank you, O oh God, for Jesus. He is our sufficiency. And I pray that each one of us will walk out of here today with our heads held high, not in human arrogance, but in great divine confidence that we have an all-sufficient, glorious Savior in Jesus' name.
1: Bible teacher Crawford Loritz listing three incredible events in the life of Jesus, events underscoring three aspects of his glory. Those events were the Transfiguration, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and the healing of the paralyzed man. And we also learned that the glory of God means his magnificence, his preeminence, and his excellence. And with that, we wrap up Crawford's series called The Glory of Christmas. And Crawford, I think this series illustrated, again, the unique aspect of God's plan of redemption. You stop and think of the incredible way in which
2: our Savior has blessed Mm. us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can almost go to any spot in the Bible, and uh, Jesus is the backdrop of everything that's written in the Scriptures. And you can see our Savior Mm. um, doing marvelous things for us. What a
1: wonderful Savior. Yes, he is. And his birth, life, death, and resurrection demand that we draw some conclusions about him and about our relationship with
2: him. Well, I think, first of all, uh, if he's not our Savior, we need to make sure that he is. Yes. And we can do that by saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin. I, 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 I open my heart to you, and I turn from my sin, and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. And then I think for those of us who are followers of Jesus— the sweetness of these things. We realize that we don't bootstrap the Christian life, hmm. that that he's our Savior, not, not just in terms of when we trusted him as Savior and Lord, but he is our Savior today. Mm-hmm. He continues to bless us. He continues to meet our needs. He continues to provide for us, hmm. and our
1: hearts should be filled with holy gratitude. Amen. Well, Crawford, thanks for being with us. And again, Merry Christmas. Yes, and to you too, my dear friend. Now, perhaps you joined us midway in this message. You can listen to it in its entirety on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org, or select it on a number of streaming platforms. Would you get in touch with us this week? Just a few sentences will help let us know you're there. Email legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu, or write to Living a Legacy, Moody Radio, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And thank you so much. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Merry Christmas to you. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.